This episode of Earl Grey is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for iPhone, iPad, and iPod, Android, Kindle, Windows Phone, plus Mac or PC. To get a free audiobook of your choice, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. Hey everyone, I'm Rod Roddenberry, and you're listening to Trek FM. T. Earl Grey, hot. It's time for another serving of Earl Grey, our dedicated TNG show. I'm Darren Moser, sitting in the center chair this week. I'm joined by my co-host, lead Q-joke writer, Daniel Prue. Daniel, uh, are you sure it's a good idea to add this quote-unquote God character to the show? Um, you know, I, I, quote unquote, God, he's more of a, I mean, he's a trickster God. He's a Loki character. So Sorry, absolutely. I meant hashtag God. Hashtag, oh, hashtag God. God. That, <laughs> that's totally different. That's, that's totally different. Yeah, of course it is. You always want to have, uh, that sarcastic, uh, smarmy kind of, uh, know-it-all can do it all character. Okay. You, you've convinced me. And I'm also joined by my lawyer, Philip Gilfus, who will be submitting notes on what everyone else does. Got your notepad, Philip? Yeah, and I just want to make sure, Darren, that you wrote half of those Q jokes, so we're going to make sure you share credit um, so you can get the residuals. I'm going to get top billing. Exactly. So, I mean, look, I think what happened was Daniel (laughs) did half of a joke. And Darren wrote half of a joke, and so they, you guys should get split credit. I mean, that's the way it's well, going to work. Well, he wrote the joke, but he couldn't remember the title, so I, know, I, uh, exactly. I just <laughs> slipped in right there. And, and, and also, knock, knock. Um, you're, I'm going to have to send me uh, the file after you record this, Daniel, um, just because no reason. I just have to <laughs> save it for future use. <laughs> Well, today on Earl Grey, we're going to be talking about the recently released documentary by none other than Captain Kirk himself, William Shatner, Chaos on the Bridge, the untold story of season one through three of Next Gen. Now, this just came out on uh, direct-to-play Vimeo. You can either buy it or download it, and all three of us here at Earl Grey have watched it, and uh, it's... I mean, we'll we'll save our final votes to the end, but it was a relatively enlightening documentary that uh, we're going to discuss here. Uh, yeah, first thing I wanted to talk about with you guys is the Wild West of William Shatner. Oh man, that that Wild West twang. But but seriously, why do we think that, or is this documentary best put together because it was William Shatner doing it versus like some other? just documentarian trying to pull together or something like, I don't know. I kind of got the feeling that he kind of, I mean, one, he's a really good interviewer, but he also kind of has this, like I'm on the inside of Trek access where people will actually talk to him. You know, I mean, not everybody, but I'm sure most of the people, but what did you guys think of the fact that this wasn't just a, you know, this wasn't just a DVD extra of season seven bonus disc. This was made by Shatner. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't really know the background story of this very well. I mean, I, I, I get the feeling that this wasn't made by Shatner. I, I feel like it was just hosted, essentially, by Shatner. Although I'm sure he would love to convince people <laughs> that he did, in fact, make it. Um, 
you know, after watching The Captains, right, that was the other documentary he did, which I really loved. Um, And everybody, every Star Trek fan should watch that, if for no other reason, to fully understand Avery Brooks, because you don't understand that. I mean, nobody really understands Avery Brooks, but (laughs) not until you watch that, uh, you know, that documentary, do you kind of get what he is as a as a person. Um, uh, And I'm serious. It's amazing. It's that that part of the interview is incredible. And and in fact, the the William Shatner and Patrick Stewart uh, interview is, is extremely enlightening and actually really, really awesome as well. Um, Actually, the whole thing's good. Just watch the whole thing. It's so good. <laughs> um, but anyways, um, yeah, you know, it's the same kind of thing here. It's just that he comes off so well. You know, he he, he interacts with people so – he's just – I don't know. He just – he has that charisma. That's why he, he's Captain Kirk, man. He, that, he just comes off so awesome. And, like, I, I don't know necessarily that whoever put this together – needed William Shatner, but it certainly added to it, I think. And I, I, I bet, I imagine that no more than no less than ninety percent of the people that he that he interviewed for this documentary um were more open and more honest because they were talking to William they were talking to Bill. And I think I think that actually adds a, a whole extra layer to it. What'd you think, Philip? Yeah, I think it was interesting, you know, because whether it was Shatner or, who, or whoever, but I know, especially Shatner, like, like how much they were having, not having to, because it did come naturally, but having to, like, sort of force the theme. It's like, you know, yeah, da, 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 you play poker. No, I don't. I've never played poker in my life. No, no, no. But what we're talking about is exactly like a game of poker. I really don't see how it involved. It's about power. It's about power. You put, know. On, put on the hat. Put on the cowboy hat and look into the camera and tell me you love poker. Okay. <laughs> and so, I mean, they, they were kind of like, it has to be about poker and, and illustrated graphic design. No, but anyway, but no, I, I, I loved it, though. I, I've, I've watched it probably four or five times. Cause I remember when we were talking about this topic, I'm like, should I rent it or download it? I'm like, but now oh, I'm glad that I do own it because I've watched that thing like because I'm not saying like it's five stars but it's very enjoyable it's very interesting enjoyable I mean the I'm not a production person but like it's just the I mean I like documentaries I like the you know and the splicing the producing I mean and the people that you're talked to I mean, like, every, like, I could spend the whole podcast talking, like, not only are you getting the biggies, like Rick Berman, obviously, um, and then, uh, Maury Hurley, um, who's passed away now, um, but you, like, all the, all the main writers that are living, because Michael Pillar also passed away, but you, I mean, you know, Brannon, you have Ron, you have, uh, uh, Ira, Ira, (laughs) yeah, and and then you have, like, Patrick Stewart, I mean, for goodness sake, they, they dug up Diane Mulder, okay, they have everyone in this thing okay and and of course all the people that probably people may not know unless they're diehard people um you know richard arnold um uh, gene's personal assistant and and all these other people dc fontana david gerald blah 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 i mean i could name everyone but but i mean they they talk to everyone and i think it's awesome don't forget they they actually got um ira's purple goatee as well that that's not an easy get so I mean, he's a character in on and of himself yeah. <laughs> i consider that more of a deep space nine goatee yeah <laughs> well yeah and that's the that's the next big point i wanted to talk about it's just yeah all the all the different people that were interviewed and i mean we we talked about this on the other side of the room uh john pike the head of paramount tv you know in 94 i mean i've never heard him talk uh and that was just a whole new angle 
of like, you know, you're the guy, you're, you're the guy with you know, paying out the money, you know, you're rep, you are the studio, you know, we all talk about like the network, like the studio, it's like, that's you. And I, I think it was very smart because it was so focused on the first three seasons instead of we're going to do documentary about like how it got off the ground or all seven seasons. Like, no, just, just he it's a specific story. They wanted to tell how they guided their questions and yeah, it's just some of the best interviews. Some of a lot of, again, stuff that maybe if you're a diehard fan, you already had heard, you know, I think we've all heard that, you know, the Patrick Stewart didn't unpack until season, whatever, you know, we've, we've all heard little bits like that, but, um, or, you know, Gaze McFadden, you know, wasn't liked by this one producer and she's not back for season two, you know, but, but all that extra stuff we got, uh, you know, because I think one, it's been enough time, you know, that people are like, okay, we can kind of talk about this. It's been like 20 some odd years, but, uh, yeah, but just this is a great story. And, you know, uh, told in a Southern barbecue style. <laughs> I mean, that's a little, we'll, we'll have to discuss taste. what kind of barbecue we're talking about because, uh, <laughs> there's many kinds and I want to be clear. Uh, this is banjo barbecue. No, I'm pretty man. sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, when, the, when the opening title started and it literally like the title of the documentary is branded onto like leather. Yahoo! Yeah. I know. I, I'm like, I, 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 I'm going to say this now because I feel like this is the best time. I hate the music in this documentary so much. It's the only, it's one of the only things I dislike about this documentary. It is so terrible and so over the top and like so pervasive in the entire thing. Like every time it was like, I get it. I get it. It's silly and crazy things are happening. Like, oh, it's great. But oh my God, I could not stand it. Well, as I tweeted at, at at Darren and Daniel earlier in the week, I believe Fuzzy Lumpkins from the Powerpuff Girls is who did the soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah. it is bad. I, I'm, I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna lie, Daniel. After five viewings, it's grown on me. <laughs> <laughs> but it took five viewings. It did. Well, you know, one of the one of the recent documentaries I've watched that I really liked was uh, actually helped kickstart it. Was um, it was called Stripped, and it's about comics and the rise of web comics versus traditional comics. And I think that was put together by uh, Dave Kellett uh, and a couple other great you know, great artists. And it, something that Chaos on the Bridge had as well was that whole uh, animated caricature you know stick figures well not stick figures they were actual people but it's a great way to kind of fill in all those because otherwise you're just looking at talking heads for an hour and that can get kind of boring but you know they used it in a really creative way i mean yes it's the whole wild west ride of disneyland or something i don't know and poker and it's all about poker and poker and poker i know you know whatever but uh are you bluffing darren are you bluffing right now i feel like you're bluffing us (laughs) Like, I don't play poker, you know, let's just not even, no. uh, I don't really see how it has anything to do with poker. No. <laughs> but, I, I, but I think, you know, that was, you know, like, especially when they're telling like stories and you, and you see, you know, just these little extra pieces. Cause obviously we don't have a picture of them all sitting down watching the pilot for the first time. And, you know, John Pike's sweating. Cause he's like, are they even going to get it? You know, is, am I done? You know, and I when they're talking don't about know what that episode was about <laughs> jellyfish, I don't even know what's going on. Or they talk about, you know, when they're really, it's coming down to, uh, John Pike's like calling a bluff 
Yeah, he's bluffing and you know Roddenberry could walk away and and they're talking about millions of dollars, tens of millions of dollars on the on the table and they you know Garrett's got the big old pile of poker chips and it's like okay, you know I I liked it. I mean it wasn't again, I I don't know it's so western to sci-fi juxtapose, but beyond that it, as a method of a documentary and showing things, I, I like that. You know, it was it was well done. Uh, I think the caricatures of, of Patrick Stewart are the best. Just, <laughs> and I also loved how they all had round oval com badges because yep. yet we still can't use a Star Trek logo. So. <laughs> I, I didn't notice, but yeah, for when when I first started watching and, and the illustrations, I'm like, oh, these are gonna get. But I'm like, oh my gosh, they're really, really good. They're like, really they good. They are very like you know getting the gestures of what people are talking about, yeah. and and I mean like or did. Well, I was going to say, like, just think of, like, the alternative. Like, using old photos from the 80s, which are going to not look great. Um, or, like, this would be my, like, least favorite, but, like, just to hate watch. Like, if they had, like, reenactors of, like, <laughs> like unsolved mysteries or whatever. Just, like, and that's when Gene came in the room and some guy, you know. But anyway. Unsolved mysteries. I guess it would... Uh... It would actually be closer to Rescue 911. That's say, true. Yeah. Well, that's other Shatner property, so it's very funny that you do that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, no, I, I totally... Yeah, what do you think, Daniel? I loved it. I, I, it was one of my favorite part of the entire documentary was those those illustrations. And, you know, you know, as we were mentioning, that sometimes they have that poker theme and sometimes they... But a lot of times it's just showing what they're talking about. And I... Oh, my God. Philip made the gesture, which are, uh, you guys couldn't see, but when uh, Hurley is talking about, <laughs> um, he's being, he's being being very physical, and he's talking about this confrontation that they had in his office, and it was, he's like, you know, this With giant man, Gene, stood up and pointed and was like, you don't know the difference between deflectors <laughs> and shields, and like it, it added so much to that already like really emotional and exciting story. And then you get to see this really well-drawn caricature of Roddenberry, you know, intimidating looking in this in this scene. And it's great. It adds so much flavor and texture to the story. I just I, – I don't know who the artist was, but man, like they should do this all the time because this is so good. This is a great way to get across those themes. Well, and you mentioned, you know, not using old old photos, Philip, but the photos they did use, and they added that 3D effect yeah. where they Photoshop like a second layer behind it, so it's kind of like you're twisting through it. I mean, I love, I mean, it's been done a lot, but it's still a really cool effect. Well, and one thing that was cool for me, because I don't own any of the Blu-rays, but even watching the download of this documentary where they obviously show footage of TNG, um, this is the first time I've seen a lot of that in HD. Because yeah. it's in HD. Oh, yeah. So I'm like, like even season one, I'm like, I can like yeah. see Worf's makeup. And, yeah. and it, it looks really good. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think one thing you mentioned, Darren, uh, about this documentary, and I think one thing that I thought about, and I mentioned it to you all, as I watched it, is that it's to me, it's this is important to do because I mean, so many people have died already. Like Bob Justman, who was very, very instrumental. Like he, he, if he had been still alive, he would have been like, you know, he's Gene Ryan, Gene's right hand. I mean, he basically, I would say, created much of TNG, like what we know. But you know, he passed away, and then, like I said, Mike Pillar, um, and then you know, Hurley's in this, but he, he's it's all these people. So I mean, like it's a good thing to do this before anyone else passes yeah. away, and these stories I mean, can still be told. It's probably the only. TNG documentary did not have the Akutas in it. Uh, well, no, it, no, it had it yeah. had uh, Michael, but it didn't have. Oh, did it have Michael? Oh, that's yeah. right. I think he was just just once. Well, but then uh, what was the other person that wasn't in it? Zimmerman uh, was in Larry. it. I mean, like again, we can go yeah. through this whole thing. And, you know. Yeah. Well, okay. That's true. 
but I meant uh, uh, no yeah, it's, it's a great no time though. to 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 get these stories. You know, these are these aren't written down anywhere. They're just inside these people's heads, and you gotta you gotta get it out. And um, well, okay, now that leads you know to to my next big points. Uh, Gene Roddenberry. I mean, boy, man, the first fifth of this like nails him to the wall and you know yes it kind of comes full circle by the end and they kind of you know balance it out yeah but boy i mean yeah it's you know i I, like i said before it's been many years since gene's death and since the end of star trek and this is kind of a time you could kind of talk about these things because they are very honest about their opinions of gene and and it's but i like also how everyone gives kind of almost a slightly different take because that's life. People are complex, not, you know, we don't all fit into these nice boxes. You know, there's, there's the good and the bad in all of us, but yeah, they really kind of take the gloves off when talking about Gene. Yeah. And I think it's really interesting. And again, I don't know how many things that people know, but I think one thing they really captured, I've heard this before, but I liked it being stated that, you know, if, if Gene had done the original series, and the motion picture, like, he would have been seen as a sort of one-trick pony, got lucky, that was it, you know. And and basically, Star Trek TOS is a failed series, you know. I mean, like, we love it. But, like, right. you know what I'm saying? It got canceled. And that was that, that was it, you know. A failure, quote-unquote. But, you know, the fact that he did have this TNG and this whole, you know, franchise live on, I mean, now he's the Roddenberry, just like the Cisco. Um, <laughs> and, but, no, I, I, I agree, Darren, that I love seeing this full... F- this full picture of the man, because you know, a lot of times as Star Trek fans, I'll just speak for myself. You know, we we feel like oh, the Roddenberry vision, which I've talked about a lot before. You know, and that's sort of this ephemeral. You know, I almost love they they actually come out and say like the L. Ron Hubbard example. Like Gene's like I don't, know, I could have started a religion if I wanted to, but like you know, but like I mean, but that's serious. Like I mean, I think in a lot of ways, Star Trek could be you know, very big thing, but as far as beliefs um, and, and religion and all, or whatever word you want to use. But I did love that, like, we know his faults, you know, the women, the, the, and I think one, and one last thing that I, that it was kind of very subtle, but Gene kind of reminds me of almost a lot of showrunner writers that we know in the, in the 21st century, or even the, the, the 20th century, like, um, that they said, like, look, Gene could write with, like, two days' notice. He could turn out an episode. He had no right. problem with that. So it's sort of that whole genius thing, but with lots of problems. Like, Daniel, it reminds me of um, Aaron Sorkin, you know, or, or, or even Dan Harmon. Like, you know, last-minute episodes, last-minute scripts, genius stuff, but, you know, people with problems. <laughs> what you, would you think about that aspect of the documentary, Daniel? Yeah, I don't... Of the great um, bird of the galaxy. It's really interesting, right? Um, and I and I think the this documentary kind of confirms a lot of what I think about Gene Roddenberry. Whereas they call him one of the, one of the people in, the, in it call him a historical revisionist that he started to believe his own legend and, and right. his own you know it, basically that his that's, thoughts changed between TOS mm-hmm. and TNG of and, star about Star Trek. His thoughts changed, yeah, and that and and that not only. Essentially, that he created this thing, he 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 incubated it and started it, and, and but it grew into something much 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 bigger than himself, and um, it is his legacy, but it is not exclusively him. It's not, it has to change and it has to evolve and, and all of these things, and like you said, it is brutally honest. That honestly, 
seasons seasons one and two uh, of TNG are rough, and everybody knows that. Completely and, unwatchable, according <laughs> to <laughs> And and a lot of that is Gene's fault, honestly. It really, and we, and we learned that in this. I mean, not anything we didn't already know that he was already micromanaging to a crazy degree, and and you know, firing people left and right, and his lawyer was coming in and pretending he was Gene and the, rewriting things as well. You know, he he. <laughs> He was responsible for a lot of the bad things that were going on at the time as well. And like Philip said, it, it was he was a man with issues. Everybody has their problems. And he, be, he comes off as less of a, a, a visionary in the documentary and more of a real person. And uh, I've, I've always seen him that way in my mind. I don't. I don't necessarily think that he did have his grand unifying prophetic vision of the future and more of he had a few good ideas and they evolved over time and some of them were good and some of them were bad and some of them worked and some of them didn't. And, and this documentary just kind of proves it because everybody behind the scenes was saying the same thing. Oh, Gene's got this idea. It doesn't make any sense. Or Gene's got this idea and it's brilliant. It's, it's like, wacky doodle. It's wacky doodle. Wacky doodle Gene. Yeah, exactly. Well, and I, I love how many people get it and and don't get it because one of the things and and I don't know the man and I you know I have no basis at all for ever knowing any of these people or having any opinions about them because I don't know them but like Brandon Braga I've always kind of had a standoffish feel about but like he said everything I've ever wanted anyone to ever say about the stuff and this whole thing about like oh Roddenberry had these rules and you couldn't even do anything and Brandon's like um I liked it. Because it made me force me to tell stories another way. I'm like, thank you, thank you, Brandon. High five. Oh, it's a computer screen. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> well, and it was interesting because I get the feeling that like if a lot of these people had been in the same room talking, they would have kind of collectively looked at each other and been like, how in the heck did this show survive these first year years? Because I mean. It's just like, is it because it was Star Trek and everyone was just giving it like that extra, extra, extra set of grace? Because look how many, I mean, you have other great shows that if they went through that many writers in their first season, no way, you know, had that many, you know, major shifts in, in how the stories are being told, have two eighths of your, have, what is it? Three or two of your three female lead casts disappear within the first two years. I mean, it, it's that would have been a lot of these things would have been death sentences to other series, but it 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 survived somehow. Now, Darren, you mean when you joined Trek.fm, um, Daniel didn't take you to the, our our office bathroom and show you all the other hosts that got fired here? Trek.fm, you well, didn't see that. It's Chris's bathroom and it's in Japan, so that's why none of us could have seen it. And, but, it's, yes. it's, and it's controlled by robots. If I'm, <laughs> they only they you know, and they only bring this up almost offhandedly. But it is interesting to me what one of the things I came away with was actually how much Michael Pillar essentially saved. Saved it. Saved the show. Saved the franchise. Saved, righted the course that it was. He took the mess that was the end of season two, and kind of put it on track. What after Hurley left and and they brought Pillar in, and Vortiform City, we're on the right track. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, unfortunately, we obviously couldn't couldn't have his thoughts on it. Um, but I would honestly, that transition I think would be interesting enough. For an entire documentary in of itself, because it would be really neat to be like, 
well, what happened? How did? What exactly did they focus on? How did they change? Chaos on the bridge too. Getting on the right track. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, and it's maybe y'all knew this, but I didn't know it, and I think it was surprising, giving some of the critiques I hear from certain sectors, that Ira ran the writers' room. Because I always hear, like, Ira is the Deep Space Nine guy. He's the one that's making all these, you know, Deep Space Nine wonderful stories. Well, he ran TNG, guys. So there you go. I don't want to hear, you know. But, I mean, that that was interesting that, you know, Pillar, that it was almost like, and I'm and I may be pushing the envelope here, but it almost reminded me of a Picard-Riker relationship because Pillar's like, I don't know how to run a room. I'm going to be over here. Ira, you you lead the away team. I'll be back on the ship, you know. And and uh, but I thought that was an interesting interesting dynamic. Well, and I you know, yeah, hearing hearing those pieces and when you talked about, you know, getting them on a production board, getting, you know, stuff going and I'm thinking uh yeah, production board. I'm thinking, you know, back to when I was in in cinema school and I'm like, yeah, if you're I mean, this is you know, early, you know, late 80s. And you're training, churning out 26 episodes of a high-budget special effects sci-fi show. You better have your act together because these are costing millions of dollars a piece to crank out. And and I'm just thinking, my God, again, it's another thing that's just it's it's amazing fact that it didn't crumble like a house of cards or a stack of poker chips, as some people would say. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's like, yeah, but he, you know, Michael Bailey just came in and he's like, okay, we're, you know, this is what we're going to do. And, you know, okay, we need to cut the budget here. We're going to do a bottle show. Boom. You know, we're going to do this. And, but I know it's one of those things. I think we all kind of knew subconsciously of how it had shifted, but having, having them just come out and say, look, we're shifting away from, this is the plot. This is the alien of the week to let's tell story about our characters. This is the data episode. This is a Riker episode. This is a Troy episode. This is a Troy and Worf episode. And, you know, and, uh, but, but that, you know, when you think about it, cause we don't, even, it's so subtle. We don't even think about it. That, that makes a lot of sense. And that's really good Star Trek right there. And, you know, uh, another person that really, this has been an ongoing kind of, revelation to me but uh, you know there's a lot of hatred for 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 rick berman in in the star trek community and and every time i actually see him talk or hear him talk he comes across to me as a super reasonable person like as someone who who actually does genuinely care and and maybe he made you know maybe you disagree with which i do some of his decisions some of the stuff that he decided on towards you know the end of voyager and, and enterprise but generally speaking he cared and, you know, he was trying to make the best decisions he could. And he wouldn't have carried the torch as long as he did if he didn't care. Yeah, exactly. And and it's just, it just he always, the more I see of him, the more I'm like, you know what? I, I, I like this guy. He feels real to me. He feels, uh, you know, he had to make decisions. And sometimes you don't know what the consequences of the decisions are going to be. You just got to kind of go with it and then see what happens. And it, it, he was just somebody else that came across to me again. Well, as, and he has this sort of better. unique role of like half suit, half creative. You know, yeah. so like you know, like where John Pike is like, look, I could go to Rick, say I need two million dollars, I need this much to be the budget at the end of the year. Rick gave me the numbers. That's how it was, and and I could always rely on Rick. And so you have sort of Rick floating above Michael and the writers, just like making sure the lights and trains stay on time, and you know, don't worry about all. You just do what you do. We'll make sure all the other you know BS gets taken care of. And and I think that is a very interesting thing. And, it is, and I think one question, and then again, I may be reading too much. That when I 
I think it was you know Shatner asking Rick or, or someone, and I'm paraphrasing, but it's something like like Do you believe in Gene's vision or like or or whatever? And I could almost hear Rick hedging, like in his answer, and it's almost like he was saying like I don't believe it, but I'm. I took it on my sh- the, I took the mantle and and ran. But with it, it is what Star Trek is. Yeah, like so. I, I gotta. Yeah, yeah. I, I could hear that hesitation. He's like, do I believe it? Yeah, I don't know, but I I get what it is. Well, it's like, do you believe it or do you believe in it? You know what I mean? Like believing it, like yes, that, that's something I subscribe to. Versus believing in it and believing this is a good thing for Star Trek and it needs to be carried on. I think also with rick is he just didn't have a a mythical shield you know you have roddenberry who's like the creator and so so many people get to kind of you know whitewash the flaws to a point as you know because he's gene and it's his vision and you know and you can't speak out against gene and you know and then you have other people i mean to some extent it happens with and i'm not saying this in a negative way to people but you have like we, we as humans like putting people on pillars. You know, you have Michael Pillar, huh? Um, <laughs> you have, you know, you have the Akudas. Everyone's like, oh my gosh, look at what the Akudas did. You know, you have um, Doug Drexler. Oh my gosh, look what Doug Drexler did. But I feel like Rick Berman, to, you know, to, to make my point, was, yeah, like right in the middle. And so he just, he didn't have, he couldn't hide in the limelight. He just, it's, it's, he's Rick. He's the making the tough choices. He's, I mean, everyone knows he's the one who carried the torch of Star Trek after Gene left. Like he, like if he had just walked away, you know, in when, when next gen was still going, when Gene died, like, I, I don't think Star Trek would have gone where it went for better or worse or gone at all. But, uh, but he just doesn't have, you know, he's not shielded at all from, from history. So there's a perfect example of that in, in this documentary, and they were talking to the writer of the episode Conspiracy. That's right, Tracy Torme. He, he was, exactly, and he was talking about how, you know, at the time, you know, he had, he was, he was literally prodding at, at, at the, at, I think it was Hurley, right, at the time, who was the head runner, and was like, you know, I know I wanted to break free a little bit of creative freedom from this vision. Um, and I wanted to do this conspiracy show, and he said, no, absolutely not. No, 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 no. And then he says, uh, he says, somebody above him, he's like, I don't know who it was, but it could have been Berman. Um, and he, he specifically mentions Berman, and I don't know, we never do find out if it was Berman or not, but it is interesting to think that Rick Berman does get blamed for all of the, the poor decisions and probably never gets any of the credit. For exactly. any of the good decisions. So it's actually, you know, it, and, and it is easy to pick on him because he was kind of in charge that whole time. But remember, he was also in charge of Star Trek the entire time that it was the world's most popular franchise, you know, in the, in the mid 90s. He's the captain of Star Trek. Yeah. And, you and, know, when you're the captain, you have to make the tough calls and you take the good with the bad. Risk is part but of unfortunately, the game. <laughs> but yeah, but unfortunately, he gets stuck with the bad and and and, I, and 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 that's not to say i don't think any of us are saying that rick berman made perfect decisions or is a perfect man but just in my mind it comes to me across to me that he was a guy and he cared and he tried to do the best he could you know and and did some really good amazing things and and did some bad things too and that's okay and one parallel this is going to be random but i just wanted to throw it out there there's one parallel i noticed that in this whole documentary that you know basically the studio paramount 
comes to um, Jean and says, hey, we're going to do another Star Trek. Um, and Jean's like, uh, I don't know if I want you. Like, okay, well, we're going to do it anyway without you. Like, okay, well, hold on, hold on, hold on. May, uh, you know, because <laughs> you know, there's that caretaker role, which reminds me, um, and y'all know this, or maybe our listeners know it too, but reminds me of Enterprise, where Paramount UPN says, we want to do another Star Trek. Rick is saying... Uh, I think we're good. And like, oh, well, we're going to do it anyway. And Rick's like, okay, well, if you're going to do it, you know, yeah, I want to be there. That's a really good point. Yeah, so I mean, so, sort of like that. you could see those caretaker parallels of like, you know, they may not have been enthusiastic about doing another TV series of Star Trek, but if you're going to do it, we want to make sure it's done right. And, and and so I thought that was an interesting thing I thought about. No, that's, a, that's actually a really good point. There is a, a parallel in that, uh, the circles, the circles complete. <laughs> we've come, we've come full circle. Cause yeah, cause I mean, for all, for all his gripes and and choices, you know, Rick Berman cares about Star Trek. He 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 must have. You can't not care about something at least some, and have put up with what he's put up with and stuck with a franchise for as long as he has, and and it's steward. I mean, it's it's a really tough role to be in. And I also love the um, you know, the, this documentary asks. The, not all of them, maybe, but, but ask a lot of the hard questions. Because it was funny the way the, um, the the documentary goes and Bill Shatner starts to go into the Gates McFadden yeah, yeah. issue. I'm like, that. are they going to ask Maury to his face? Because that's going to be super <laughs> awkward. Because I feel like that's what it's going to do, but it doesn't. And it goes to, like, I think Rick or someone of, like, what happened there? And, and It's like, tell me the story about Gates McFadden. He's like, well... Let me tell you a story, Bill. <laughs> um, and then, like, also, and, and I'm Darren. You can, you know, stop me and get organized here. Um, but, but, like, it also, like, the Denise Crosby, and I, and I, that story has probably been told. I know I've already talked to y'all about this already in the Arboretum. But, like, the way I've never heard Patrick Stewart talk about it in this yeah. tone. Like, there's a tone of like, it was expletive deleted what happened. You know, this is Patrick saying it of of that whole thing, which I didn't know. I mean, he apparently feels very strongly. Um, and I know, like, I feel like he, in, in Patrick, at least, and you know who whoever knows the real story except the people that were in the room. But he's almost like, maybe it was like the studio and Denise's people. Um, not maybe Denise herself, but anyway, this whole oh, thing of... like they bluffed and she ended yeah, up walking like like it shouldn't have gone that far. Yeah, and so but, but Patrick was very seems very upset. Like this is like twenty five years later that like he feels like I guess Denise <laughs> got hosed or something. But like you know it it was very interesting to see these these passions still about these issues. Well, but with because with Patrick though he's you know he's very old school, very like this you're professional. This is what you do. This is what you don't do. And, you know, that great story with the, uh, like, what was it, Good Morning America or whatever <laughs> who was on. And, and which, again, the, you want to talk about the caricature sketches. Like, that was probably the best, one of the best parts where, you know, they're showing the, uh, the weathermen, you know, being, although, Again, the 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 Trek fan in me pushed up my nerd glasses and said, "What is he standing in front of? He's on the side of the bridge. <laughs> is he? Shouldn't he be standing in front of like the big blue screen? That's the whatever. Okay, I'm going to ignore that fact for the sake of the story. But um, Bill agrees with me. I did really love the. Um, <laughs> it did show a little bit out of touch. Um, I can't remember who it was. Shoot, whoever was talking to Bill at the time, and they were talking about like. Oh, we had these really old trailers that they dug out of nowhere, and there was oh, no. Yeah. That was Denise and John. It was Denise. Denise yeah, 
Yeah, and they were like, we didn't have craft services. And I'm like, wow, the tough life of an actor, man. That must have been real rough for you. <laughs> well, well, it was who, so funny because it felt so inside baseball. And I'm like, I okay, you're losing sympathy points for me at this point. Well, right. You didn't well, get free snacks. Half of your viewers don't know what craft <laughs> yeah, services no, are. No, Sorry you didn't get free food on your television show set that you were working on. I think my favorite part in that discussion was, was Frakes talking about it to Shatner. Like these old things. Like, didn't you know these... Bill and he's like, yeah, I used to look at him and phrase the game. As I walked into my as I went tense, to my network house apartment. Push. <laughs> yeah, well, and again, I think nothing you know epitomizes uh, how how good Shatner draws out these stories than when he's talking with Jonathan Frakes. I think they just they're on like a whole nother level of oh, like, Bill. oh Bill, <laughs> oh Jonathan, you know, it's just. Because Frakes is just super honest and forward and just like, you know, you know, th- there's no, you're not like, oh, this is, this is Captain Kirk. No, no, no. This is another Star Trek actor who's been through it like we have. We can talk the talk. We, well, you know, well, we can in, talk the shop. They're both in the secret Star Trek movie directors club. Oh, that's well, true. It, it, I mean, you know, you know, Frakes and, and uh, Shatner have interacted all the time, like all the time. Done like, the I mean, you know, it, it, honestly, you know, they're, the, they're in the top four of the, the Star Trek stars. That's what they are. You know what I mean? Like, it's like uh, there was um there was a document, not a documentary, but there was a um, roundtable discussion that Whoopi Goldberg held. I don't know if you guys have ever seen this. I'm sure you oh, have. Oh, I remember hearing about that. I don't think that. I've yeah. seen it, but yeah, I've seen it where, referenced. Yeah. Where she uh, – I'll, I'll send you guys a link. Remember. It's actually really interesting. You guys should uh, – the listeners should look it up. Um, they were on stage and it was it was Nimoy and, and uh, Shatner and and then it was um, Frakes and, and Stewart. And she just basically interviewed the four of them and it's – Oh, wow. That would have been good. So who won? Awesome. Who won? It's, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I thought it was a. It's actually super, really interesting stuff, and uh, it, like I said, got hosted by uh, Whoopi Goldberg, so it's really cool. Speaking of of who won, it, I I think my favorite um, um, people in this documentary and how they're uh, shown are the Star Trek fans. I love that they are just mob hateful trolls in this documentary of like we want spock and kirk you suck star trek next generation when they were talking about best of both worlds Mm. um when they had said that you know ron yeah was for a long when ron was talking about best of both worlds and he's like you know people would tell us you're not star trek there's only one true star trek you know kirk and spock and blah, blah 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 and then when you know best of both worlds came out that was when the paradigm shift happened. Like you know, now I don't. I don't. I have no idea. I don't have any numbers. But in my mind, I mean, we're all looking in hindsight, and right, right. when we were young, you know, it's totally different. But you know, you talk to a, I don't know. You talk to a twenty-year-old kid now. I don't. It's probably fifty-fifty. Maybe half of them will say Kirk, and half of them will say you know, next generation kind of era. Uh, so you know, not that I'm trying to elevate TNG above anything else or anything, but it's just like. For the longest time, it was just TOS, and and then it became TNG, and that was when we started to be Star Trek fans. I think all of us, and um, you know, it was just interesting that they recognized it. That there was a moment in time that it happened, and it was recognizable, 
And it was like, this is the paradigm shift. This is the turning point. This is now when things are changing. And that's when Star Trek became bigger than just the original series. Well, yeah, I have of a of an uncle, and he's a really big, you know, classic classic Star Trek fan. I think his wedding ring actually has like a band of like red on it, and it's supposed to look like a phaser, like being fired. Yeah, it's. Uh, but I remember talking with him once on the phone, and I, you know, said, "Yeah, well, this, you know, this old TOS episode." And he's like, "What's what's TOS?" And I'm like, "The original series, like that's what we used to, you know, when we we're talking about Kirk's, you know, Star Trek." And he's like it was just star trek like that's just what we called it it's just and i and i realized i'm like oh yeah like that's for them you know they didn't need any quantifier on their series that was star trek everything else had you know the colon you know tng you know the next generation colon deep space nine you know voyager and and you know and Enterprise was like, well, let's just take the word Star Trek out. Ah, oh, we got you there. Uh, <laughs> we fooled you. Oh, gosh, we fooled you too much. Please, please keep walking. <laughs> no, 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 no. Wait, this intro doesn't look like anything. No, we promise. There's spaceships and there's and there's phasers. Well, they're not quite phasers yet. No, sorry. Um, anyway, but uh, but yeah, so it's that's a – I think that's totally a point where um, as it shifted – uh, and again, you know, I think we were all a little too young to to feel that, you know, because we weren't didn't grow up with the original series, you know, watching watching that, and and the original series meant a lot to a lot of people, you know, there is that emotional attachment level that yeah, I can totally see people. I mean, kind of thank God there wasn't the internet back in '87 because, jeez, like you'd have flame wars all over. You know, just about this is not the real Star Trek. Star Trek's not got Kirk and Spock and McCoy. You know, you know, and and just real quick along those lines too. The the when when he when Bill was interviewing Ira and and Ira was like, no 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 no, Bill, well, how did you feel? <laughs> I love that part. <laughs> how did <laughs> you feel, Bill? Seriously, when you, when you found out that there I was going to be over your powers. <laughs> when there was going to be a Star Trek without Kirk. Yeah, and he's like, and pushed him on it. And that was like a super real, interesting moment. And, and Shatner was like, I was hurt. I, I, I felt, I felt it. It really, it meant something. And, 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 you know, honestly, this probably has more to do with Shatner's ego than, than his affection for Star Trek. But, but no, but just seriously, like that, that was, it was a very person personable moment it was a very real moment i felt and it was it's the it goes to the same point where it was like now this thing is becoming kind of like a theme of of the documentary it's becoming bigger than gene it's becoming bigger than bill it's becoming bigger than just tos it's now this thing that's that's has outgrown any individual or 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 group of individuals and the one thing i really like about this documentary having seen a few times is that there are no good or bad characters like you know and and darren you probably know better than me you know that when you're making a movie whether it's a documentary whatever you know you have your good guys your bad guys and you know that's who's going to win you can control how people are painted very very easily and by what you what especially in a documentary on what you make them say because it is really all about the editing right but to me there's no bad people like you know gene you get the good gene you get the bad gene and then like you know maury hurley could have been made the bad guy but like he gets his piece to say you know here's my great borg stories and then here's my you know when i was trying to 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 keep the the roddenberry flag going and so like 
everyone comes off like a real person. Nobody comes except for the lawyer. He's a cartoon. But everyone else comes <laughs> well, as a real when person. Mor- when Maury is all like the first best thing that happened, you know, was when I was brought on. You know, and then I carried the flag. And the second best thing was when they didn't pick me up for the third season. And, you know, it takes, you know, guts to kind of be that honest about something. Or you just really don't care. But And, you know, uh, and to, the, uh, to, to that point, what we had mentioned in the beginning of the episode is honestly one of the most interesting interviewers, interviewees, I guess, in this, in this um, documentary is the suit is the network guy who is often viewed as the villain, as the, the person who's saying no to all the cool stuff that we want to see. But he was but like, the, he really wanted it to succeed just yeah. as much as anyone else. Like, I mean, when they're talking about, he's the one driving around to ABC and NBC and CBS and, and getting turned down repeatedly. And, you know, then magical syndications fairy well, comes over and <laughs> made the hard call. Like, you yeah. know, and well, I'm so glad. Cause I can't imagine, 13 episodes of TNG. You know, I mean, Voyager. <clears throat> right. Well, <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, maybe if they just did the, only the good season one episodes, you know, but there's no guarantee in that. But I don't think we would uh, have a 13 mini series. Yeah. I'm t- I mini t- series I TNG. I kid, I kid. Mini- oh, gosh. <laughs> well, it's like Toy Story. You know, in Toy Story, Toy Story 2 was going to be like a direct to video Christmas movie. And it was terrible. I mean, they were going to make it without Pixar, and and Pixar came back and did it, and then they threw away what they had done because it wasn't as good. And then they, I think, in like nine weeks or some crazy turnaround, like nine months, they made Toy Story two, like of what we see today, and it was you know great film and everything was worked out great. But yeah, it's just I don't know where I was going with this, but um, <laughs> go see Toy Story two, kids. Go see Toy Story two. Kids. <laughs> But no, it's yeah. It, I can't. I can't imagine you know being not it being a twenty six season every season. You know, seven seasons. Like we got one hundred and seventy eight episodes of this. That's great. That's a lot. You know. And I thought another thing that, and to me, I always love to make parallels is Patrick Stewart as a person. To me, parallels Captain Picard. That this serious. Picard that we see in the first three seasons is a serious Sir Patrick Stewart. He wasn't mm. a Sir, probably, but but is a maybe he was, but um, a Sir Patrick Stewart that that he talks about like I'm you know this is the, I'm serious and I'm knowing my lines and, and all the Franks and all the other Americans are going crazy banana pants, um, but I think he loosened up. Um, yeah. I mean, he doesn't really talk about it, but I mean, like y- you can read between the lines that he loosened up after season three and had fun with everyone, and you can see it in the uh, well because now they're all family. I mean, by the end, like, you know, he's not the stick in the mud at all. He's he's their captain. He's their friend. You know, he. I mean, we've all said that, you know, not, not, not to discount any of the other series, but there's something about the TNG cast that just is transcended something of a TV cast, you know, at least for them, you know, of their friendship of, you know, the, you know, the, all the, all the stuff they do together and, uh, you know, just some of those silly things they do. And yeah, it's, and that's one of the reasons we love them. Yeah, no, I think it's, I think it's fairly well known that of, of all the, of all the casts, the TNG one is by far the closest. Like I mean, these, if, these people, if Stuart and Frakes could have impregnated each other, like some other cast, <laughs> they would have. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh yeah, that's right. They did have it actually in Deep Space Nine. <laughs> I guess technically, the, I guess they were closer. You know, physically, I suppose you could say. <laughs> um, but yeah, well, so it Western twang aside, uh, on a scale of one to five, what would uh, what would you give this, Daniel? On, uh, I mean, we've all said we should, you should go watch it. So uh, people should watch it. But, you know, is this, is this up there with, you know, the, the other documentaries you've seen with, with, would this be, if there was a season eight of, on Blu ray, would, should this be on it? <laughs> well, no, this should certainly be on the season one Blu ray, I would think. But, um, it's a you little know, late for that, Daniel. I'm no, I, I understand. <laughs> Well, it's also a little late for season eight, Darren. So maybe you should not pick, uh, you know, nitpick here at this point. Season eight, hashtag season eight. We can do it, guys. They're not dead yet. We, we can totally eight. do it. Um, you, know, I, you know, I'm not like I, I find behind the scenes things interesting. Um, I do. I like them a lot. Um, it's it's you know how some people like really get into it like that's what they know more about the behind the scenes the writers and the producers and the directors and the like they know more about what's going on than they do about the episode like that's they're more interested in the creative side of these kinds of things than they are the actual creation that's not me i'm i'm more i don't necessarily need to know i don't necessarily need to know uh, exactly what happened, or who wrote this thing, or whatever. Like I, I do find it interesting, but it's not. It doesn't not. It's not part of my personality to go and seek it out. That being said, I will say every time I come across these kinds of things, I find them super interesting because it removes that level of of, of abstraction. And like Star Trek as an entity to me is a bunch of stories and characters, and now. Once you start to see these people start to talk about this is how I feel about this and this is the situation I was in and then you kind of understand where those stories and those characters come from and it's it makes it more of a of a real life thing. Um, so while while I don't seek this out, it you know doing the podcast and and you know trying to keep up on this stuff and trying to find out as much as I can about these kinds of things, it it is always interesting to me every time I watch them and I, and I learn something more. And honestly, this was as far as that's concerned, one of the best, um, you know, it's very limited in scope. Like you said, it's very focused. It's all about gene kind of creating help create this series. And, and then what happened subsequently? Um, but it's super interesting and you get a lot of honest opinions. And like I said, you happen to start to learn why things happen. Why is season one, season two so turbulent? What happened in season three that changed? And, you know, it doesn't demystify it to me, so it's uh, so I still love it. And, you know, honestly, I think anybody that's a TNG fan will get a lot out of this. Um, and anybody that's a, a, a Gene Roddenberry fan, I think definitely should check this out and, and see what these people have to say because uh, they, they are very honest. So I'm going to give it uh, out of your... If we're going out of five, I'm going to give it for sure a five. Five out of five for sure. They're going to like pull out some ready room rating system. No, no. no. <laughs> what about you, Philip? How many lights do you see uh, at the end of these interviews? Um, you know, I think one – and I'm just, thought, I'm just thinking about this, so I'm thinking out loud is always dangerous. 
I think maybe what I really like, because I think I echo Daniel. I'm an in-world fan. I don't, like, I'm thinking of, of a great um, co-host on Trek.fm, Mike Schindler. Like, you want to know about directors? You want to know about playwrights? You want to know about aspect ratio? He's the guy to talk to. Um, but, like, but I'm a total in-world. So, like, I don't know who wrote or produced or directed any of these episodes. I just love the in-world stuff and exploring what we see and what we don't see and what's implied and what's not implied. That's me. But I think what I do, I think maybe what secretly intrigues me, other than it's just good movie making, it's, it's a great movie, Chaos on the Bridge, um, is the secret of Trek. Like, what is what is that Rod? And I'm using this term loosely. I could say I could say any word other than Roddenberry. But what is this vision thing? As as we said um, with a political thing, um, you know, what is what is this Roddenberry vision? What is this Star Trek thing? And I think this documentary, either knowingly or unknowingly, attempts to define that or figure out what that is. You know, is it Gene? having that second uh, you know bite of the apple and going to the whiteboard and you know erasing all this other stuff that's the TOS and like all right let me do this again from scratch and you know that whole uh I, that I don't know if it's an idea of heaven as Bill and Brandon talk about but but this at least this idea of 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 what 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 does 24th century look like now that I have this second attempt um and I also love that whole like you know, Roddenberry could end any argument, just like, well, um, well in the 25th, because I know this is before yeah. they nailed it down, but it was like, in the 25th century, we don't have that. Like, how can you argue with that? You can't argue. I win. I win every argument. Do you well, know? I want my two characters to have this kind of conflict. Well, in the 25th century, they don't have that kind of conflict. Well, like, cause, and, and I know a, a, it's not in the documentary. I know a story that came out of that mentality was the bonding, which I know you all know I like. But like uh, Roddenberry says, oh, yeah. nope. We don't mourn in the 24th yeah. century. Writer's like, He's I, totally going to just get over it. <laughs> yeah, like, how do I do that? But I think it's a great episode, personally. Um, and so you have these wacky doodle ideas that <laughs> that Gene is throwing out there and that there's this buy-in. Now, whether it's because, you know, we're getting paid to do it, but you have, you know, whether it's uh, DC uh, and Dorothy um, or, or um, David, uh, Gerald. Um, and then, you know, Maury and like, like, it's funny, like everyone who's either fighting it or buying it, they all buy in eventually, you know, either like, oh, you know, this is, you know, John Pike or, or Maury or, or Rick or, or, or any of the writers, you know, if they lasted, um, you know, like they have, they eventually buy into it. And of course, what it is, they add their own thing to it. So it's not Mm. this, what did they call it? There was a word that they kept using the... The, the the sort of the D I can't remember anyway but anyway like like these are the dictums the dictums that's what they called it these are the dictums that you have to follow you know and mm. then like Maury's like Gene's not even following the dictums after a while yeah. you know like I'm the bad guy but but I I think that and there's no right answer I have my version of what I think Star Trek Vision is you two have your own versions the other host and our listeners have their own and that's sort of where we get to debates and and friendly debates about Um, but I think this documentary helps like it reminds me and this is where I'll shut up it reminds me of something that I I do in in my life talk about the constitution is and I always argue or teach and argue that it's a compromised document there's no one voice in that constitution there's like eight voices combining and we debate what that means today because they debated about it when they made the thing and I think that's Star Trek like what is Star Trek it's different to everyone because there's eight million voices that helped made that thing together and so I think that's the cool thing we can at least be on the same page as we talk about this future even as we all had, had watched it, you know, separately, and then we started chatting online about it, you know, it was just, it was very quickly obvious that 
it was you know just a, a amazingly well put together documentary you know got yeah and, and like all good documentaries it gets you talking you know it gets you thinking about things about behind the scene things how much do you want to know you know and uh, yes you take everything in a documentary with a slight grain of you know salt monster because <laughs> uh you know again like i said you can edit a documentary one way or the other to really tell whatever story you want to tell but you know between all those things you know it's still our friends our family getting to you know talk about you know star trek and they're all talking about star trek you know at that level that we talk about star trek you know on a weekly basis and that's just awesome and yeah i think it's it's a very well done piece i think it's very timely and glad that it's done and it's you know you you record these stories this part of uh television history you know before these people are gone and and they can't share it anymore or they've forgotten or you know they just don't care uh but yeah chaos on the bridge uh definitely definitely worth watching i think uh, we give it three three cups of real gray tea out of three to be specific <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, this wacky doodle documentary is not the only thing we've been talking about here on Trek FM this week. Here's a look at what else you may have missed on the network. Previously on Trek.FM, Standard Orbit. These look at least like they're pretending that they're sealed. Mm-hmm. Even if they're just like beekeeper. They're still beekeeper helmets, but uh, they really the do. mesh looks more solid. They really do kind of look like electric razors. Earl Grey. We divide the ship into one of two ways. Port goes to port. <laughs> I better not see any starboard guys on the starboard phaser target practice. You guys know which side of the ship you're on. The orb. And so they cannot impart to him the knowledge that he needs in order to raise his son. And Worf doesn't want to raise a human son. Like you said earlier, he didn't get the son that he wanted. He wants to raise a Klingon sign. The ready room. We knew that Spock was popular, and we knew that Dad had some fans, but we were not prepared for what we saw happening in the social media, in the print media. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think the New York Times reported that they got more hits on Dad's obituary than any other person personality in the history of the paper. To the journey! I can just hear the Earl Grey people screaming, Measure of a man! Measure of a man! <laughs> and you know what I would say to that? Death wish! Death wish! Warp 5. I remember watching Broken Bow when Enterprise first debuted when I was in high school. And I remember revisiting it now in full. And I had forgotten the fact that Future Guy had actually played an integral role from the get-go. With Silic and the Sulaban, which we'll talk about later in the show. Commentary, Trek Stars. It's all of these top-notch filmmakers, like people like Walter Murch, who literally wrote the book on editing. He, like those guys, all teaming up to make a big action kids movie, I think is really cool. The Six O Two Club. I think he's very much recreating that THX feel, and you may di- you may disagree with it. You may not think it's you know it's great, but it's on purpose. He, he wants that world to be that way. Let me just say, conceptually, I agree with that. In terms of execution, that's where I think he failed. Literary treks. It's amazing to me, as I reread these stories, how much of it I just kind of think of as Deep Space Nine these days, even though it wasn't part of Deep Space <laughs> Nine, you know, the, the actual series. Axonar, the official podcast. 
it is the spirit of TOS that matters that's being captured, but it doesn't necessarily have to be the aesthetic. The aesthetic was 1966 to 1969 that had its moment, it had its time, and there's a certain amount of charm still to that. But it doesn't allow you to push the narrative forward because that type of aesthetic holds creativity back, in my opinion. Women at Warp. She got that far without losing tons of crew members, which you know Kirk would have. She's the Ernest Shackleton of deep space. Of course she's an admiral. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out these shows to get in on the Daily Trek Talk. You'll find them in iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, the Windows Podcast Directory for Xbox and Zune. Visit the Trek.fm website for the full Trek experience. You can view our podcast directory to stream the audio from all of our shows. If you would like to contact us, just go to trek.fm slash contact. From there, choose Message to a Trek FM Show and select Earl Grey. These messages will be relayed by Starfleet to the three of us. In social media, you'll find us on facebook.com slash trek.fm or join our Facebook listener discussion group called The Babel Conference. Find it by searching The Babel Conference on Facebook. Now let's take a moment to talk about our sponsor this week, Audible.com. Audible is a great way for you to read all the books you've always wanted to read but never thought you'd have time for. This is the premier source for audiobooks with more than 150,000 titles to choose from and new titles coming every week. From classics to current bestsellers and even some of the most famous Star Trek books like Prime Directive, Federation, and Spock's World, Audible has something for everyone. Now, as a Trek FM listener, you can get a free audiobook of your choice along with a 30-day trial to see just how great Audible is. So give it a try today. Catch up on all those classic Star Trek books you've yet to read. Just go to audibletrial.com slash trekfm and sign up today. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash trekfm, and we thank Audible for supporting Earl Grey and Trek FM. There's one more way you can directly help us to keep Earl Grey coming to you each and every week, and that's through becoming a patron of Trek FM. By visiting patreon.com slash trekfm, you can choose among various pledge levels and receive rewards for becoming a Trek FM patron. These rewards let you inside the observation lounge of our network and make it possible for us to distribute all our great content. So please become a patron and visit patreon.com slash trekfm today. So, Philip, if someone wants to talk to you about the constitution of Star Trek The Next Generation written by Gene L. Roddenberry. I'm just kidding. I don't think his middle name's L. Where would they find you online? Well, they can find the Constitution class, Enterprise. Mm. Wink. Um, I'm on the Twitterverse, um, and my handle is NC Public Servant. That's NC for no chaos. Because, <laughs> you know, Earl Grey is Trek.fm's version of heaven. <laughs> Two bridges? <laughs> and, Daniel, if someone wanted to talk to you about... You know, just your favorite interview, your favorite jaw-dropping moment, where would they find you? They would find me on Twitter uh, as well. And that is one of Dan. That's the number one, not the word. Or number one, because you just love the first season. Justice? Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag justice. So, like, Daniel, if you could make Ryza, how would you describe it? Oh, <laughs> No, no, no. Just Daniel, forget all that. <laughs> Just get the captain later. Uh, now, if someone wants to talk to me about documentaries, both ones I've seen and haven't yet, and how I'm going to be starting an animation career just for this type of animation, 
Uh, they can find me on Twitter under username Dr. Sci-Fi. That's D-R-S-C-I-F-I. Wait, does that mean, forget season eight, is TNG the animated series now on board? <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's what we have to do. Well, guys, I think uh, I'm going to try to catch up to the number of viewings that Philip has watched this documentary and go watch it a, sec- a third time. Live long and prosper. Wacky doodle. Engage. Fire. Fire.